Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. We have a great episode today with Hannah Jane McMurray. But speaking of great episodes, you're going to want to check out next week's episode. Actually, just check out all of the next episodes that come out ever. But we (laughs) have some fun episodes planned uh we have one episode coming up is jordan carlos the actor comedian and writer he was great he was super great we laugh a ton i laugh a ton it may be the most i've laughed in an episode with a guest followed pretty closely by today's episode hannah jane mcmurray she's great We have a really fantastic chat about acting and studying acting, and I hope you enjoy it because it's really insightful, but also sweet, fun. We have a good time. We create something together that's really cool. Let's just get right to it. Here's my chat with Hannah Jane McMurray. Hannah Jane, so great to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely. So we met because I went to the studio that you were teaching at. Yeah, the Kimball Studio. Yeah, fantastic place. Love them. Definitely going to take classes there when I have the scratch. And I was so excited to find out about the auditing option because I don't, yeah. I haven't seen that anywhere else. And a friend of mine, previous guest, Adrian Eppley, was raving about you all. And so I was like, well, I got to check this place out because Adrian is great and was so glad that the audit was an option because it gives a person a chance to see what the style is, to see if it really is a match instead of plunking down hundreds of dollars, sometimes thousands of dollars, and then finding out the hard way (laughs) that it's not a good match. And I loved it. I feel like I learned so much from it. And I sat in one class of a series of classes that you were doing so it, it's such a great place thank yeah I mean I, so, thank you like it's my <laughs> studio um, <laughs> it is a great studio and you did a great job though oh thank you I mean you know I think it's really just in the DNA of the Kimball studio like we don't audition Kelly Kimball the namesake of the studio her mission or not her mission her Her thinking was that anybody who has the desire or the passion to act, regardless of experience, should be able to act. So with that, I think comes this sort of transparency and that the audits really allow. Yeah, we don't we also like just like you don't want to throw down money and not know what you're getting into. We don't want you to have to do that. We don't want you to, you know, sign up for classes at the studio and then show up and feel like it's not a good fit or it's not what you expected or I'm not sure, you know, so right. yeah, we just feel like it works better that way for everybody. And um, the audits have been a really nice way. And it's also great because usually like we get to chat after class a little bit. And I'm so glad you had such a positive experience on your in your one audit. That's yeah. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad to share that. It was such a fun experience. And um, I can't wait 
to dig in more there uh, when the time is right. How long have you been teaching there? So I have been teaching at Kimball Studio for three years now. Mm-hmm. I have been a student there for 10 years. Wow. And I'm still technically a student. I'm still enrolled. I still take classes. I am of the belief as a lot of other you know, faculty members at the Kimball Studio that like taking class as an actor is an ongoing practice. It's not like you get a degree and then you're done and you're off to acting career. Right. <laughs> you know, we're we're changing and growing as humans all the time. So uh, we go to class like we go to the gym, keep our bodies in shape, keep our tools in right. shape. So yeah, so I, I started teaching actually during the pandemic mm. when we previously just, we, we, do, we teach adults only really. But during the pandemic, because we're all, we switched over to Zoom, like everybody did, we were able to open up a class for younger actors and we didn't have anybody to teach it. And the owners of the studio asked me if I would do it, much to my surprise. I'd never really had a desire to teach. (laughs) And, but I thought, you know what? I have no reason to say no. It is a pandemic. I am stuck at home without a job. And so I started teaching the younger actors on Zoom and found it way more fulfilling than I ever imagined I would find it. And after a year of that, or maybe it was more than, no, after a year of that, we're starting to transition a little bit to in-person. And after I finished with the young actors, I was like, great, that's done. And that was really great. And thank you guys so much for the experience. And I'm flattered that you asked me to teach. And they were like, great. Okay. So we have put three adult acting classes on the schedule for you. (laughs) You're going to teach them. And I was like, me? (laughs) Yeah. So, and I, I still feel like, you know, they really saw something in me before I saw it. So I'm really grateful that they sort of tricked me into teaching. (laughs) Were there was it a struggle to teach online? Because I know I as someone who is performing online with improv, it's it could be tough to perform to a tiny webcam. Oh gosh. <laughs> when yeah, you're alone in a room. I mean, especially improv, right? When like timing is so much of an issue. And if somebody's <laughs> having like internet glitches, you're like, what? Yeah, yes, and <laughs> yeah. um so I think like we just we did our best to use the medium to our advantage. I think one thing that we have in our favor that a lot of acting studios do not have, or I should say acting studios that focus more on scene study or theatrical training is that we work almost primarily in on-camera work. So we realized that actually the reality of the industry is that so much of it is by necessity transitioning online Right. Um, as far as your auditions and your self-tapes and the way you practice and readings and all that goes, we just decided to do with it the best we could. And even if we were in the room, we're still acting for the camera. So mm-hmm. we did our best. And and I think it's actually been really wonderful for a lot of the actors at the studio in ways that we didn't expect because suddenly uh, so many of the actors that come out of the Kimball studio just like know how to act for zoom <laughs> um which is you know not a skill i ever thought <laughs> you would need um, so yeah there's challenges like you know with everything but right. but we do you know we do the best we're, we're all sort of figuring out this new technol technological world so yeah 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 and if it's acting for the camera 
it does lend itself that it's over Zoom. You're yeah. Seeing, you're seeing what the camera can see, which is also another thing that I like about your setup in the classes at Kimball is that there is a camera on people and you can look at a television screen of of them and also look at them. And I, I think that's a, a, a nice touch. It's yeah, it's so nice. And then, you know, after class, you get to see you get your videos back. So nobody likes to watch themselves, <laughs> but it's, you know, kind of a necessary learning tool, I think. For so, sure. When I'm yeah. just doing silly videos for my brother, you know, when I'm editing them or I'm, I look back at the video, I'm like, I should do that a little differently. <laughs> you know, like you see the little, little things you can tweak and change. And of course that'd be the same when you're in a class and you're trying to learn how to do it. It'd be so helpful to see yourself in that situation, which I I understand people don't like to, but it is, it is the way to get better. Yeah. I mean, just particularly for this medium, you know, it's different if you're on stage, you're, you're not, you're not focusing on what, you know, your left eye is doing so much. Right. right. <laughs> but you got it if a camera's, you know, up your nose. So, yep. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's the stuff that I need to learn more about. <laughs> so let's go back to where things started. You are originally from California. I am. Yeah. I grew up in Los Angeles. I imagine you did a lot of acting while you were out there. You know, I know it's kind of an LA family cliche, but my, my family, I grew up in the industry and I think my parents in the same way that, you know, you throw your kids into like soccer or hockey, yeah. gymnastics. My parents didn't know what to do with my sister and I, so they threw us into acting. Right. <laughs> Not on the professional level. I'm talking like community theater, just like, mm -hmm. you know, let's put on a play at home sort of stuff. But but yeah, I didn't do anything. I I, I actually wasn't allowed to do any professional acting when I was a kid. Wow. Yeah. That's probably smart. Especially in L.A. because kids can get into a lot of stuff. You know, I think I mean, I don't know that I would have had any success as a child. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been a child, but I think at least I think from my parents perspective, they had worked with so many child actors and seen it go mm. poorly. Not to say it always does. <laughs> right. um, and the industry is very different now, but I think they just really wanted us to have a a childhood, you know, and, right. you know. That was part of it. And then the other part of it was they didn't want to drive us to auditions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I specifically remember my father saying that I could go on auditions when I was 16 and could drive myself. <laughs> so that was also a factor. Very real. Can we say who your dad is? Are you, do you, are, are you, you comfortable you say that, with that as if you've already done your research and you already know? <laughs> yes, I do. But I don't know if you want to, you know, well, we'll let well let's let all the the Googlers out there. If for any <laughs> curious minds, we have the same last name, so it's not, yeah, yeah, it's not too hard to find. But and I'll, uh, I will say, once you see his face, you <laughs> have seen him in a million things. <laughs> it's true. It's He's true. very much an actor who has done a bunch, and yeah, very familiar. He's 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 a great actor. You know, he's one of those actors that I guess people say like, oh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's the that guy actor. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I mean that as a compliment. 
Oh, um, totally. I thank you. I'm he'll be very pleased to know you're a fan. I, no, I he's dope. That. He's he is so great. <laughs> like, oh, I, I mean, mean so my whole childhood. I mean, you saw him your whole childhood, obviously, but yeah. I saw him my whole childhood <laughs> as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate to grow up. You know, I've always sort of known that this was the path that my life would take, even if it was just because I didn't know anything else who's who's to say. Right. Um, but I think that it's interesting and not to get too much into like the state of the industry at the moment. But I really admired my my mom stopped acting for the most part, once I was born. But prior to that, she had also been quite successful, regularly working. And I felt very lucky to see two really strong examples of working artists. Mm. And they weren't famous by any means. They weren't like household names. Nobody, you know, there was no paparazzi around. Right. But it was, it was like a, it was a profession. Yeah. It was a profession and that you could support a family on. And I always wanted to be that sort of middle class working actor. And, you know, that's the unfortunate reality is that that is not really something that exists right now. So yeah. that's sort of been a hard pill for me to swallow at the moment. But but, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I I. I don't want to bring up the downside of what you're you're talking about here. But yeah, I mean, that is that is the tough thing about pursuing the arts right now and pursuing acting with a strike going on, two strikes going on, really. And just the way the industry is at this point, you know, we're, we're all hoping for the good fight to work out. But yeah, that is that is where things are right now. But yeah. I'm, I don't know if you've read The Artist's Way, but. We can still I have. Yeah, I love it. I'm on. We're on chapter eleven. Of, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. What's so. the What's the like weekly? What's the homework or the? This is the autonomy week. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I got to finish that chapter. We're meeting tonight to to chat about it. And I read I read half of it already, but haven't gotten to the tasks yet. But I, I love the book, and it it's really been great at saying your worth as an artist and as a creator is not in how much money your work garners. You are still an artist. You are still a creative and you still have value. And I yeah. love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that, I mean, yeah, that's great. And I think especially right now, you know, while the, the WGA and, and SAG and other labor unions at this point are, are authorizing to strike or on strike. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us are starting to grapple with that, you know, and this idea, especially in this country, this idea that like our career is so, so tied to our own identities and success having a monetary, you know, connotation attached to it. So yeah, I think it's a lot, it's definitely a lot of what we are all sort of grappling with, especially in the entertainment industry, of course. And I had dreams, you know, I mean, I, I still have dreams of maybe be able, being able to work with my dad one day, but yeah. now we're on the picket line together and <laughs> that, that works too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool that you got to do that together and fight together. That's, that's really awesome. I, I just love the story of your parents saying like, yeah, when you can drive yourself to the audition, like that is, such the right choice because we've you've probably seen a ton of people who 
you know, kind of got everything sort of done for them and they didn't get the, they didn't learn to do the tough part because of maybe how, I don't want to criticize someone else's raising their children. <laughs> no, but it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of brats out there is essentially what I'm trying to point out. And I think your, your parents are doing a good job to not raise a brat. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think, you know, of course, it's hard to know. I, I do think it was the right choice, even just for me as a kid. You know, I think some kids have different dispositions, and yeah. like some kids can handle that sort of pressure and rejection from an early age, and some kids cannot. And sure. I don't know that I was a kid that would have handled it very well. Uh, mm. Maybe I don't know, but I was sensitive, so yeah. I think an artist yeah yeah so I think it was definitely it was definitely the right thing and I think that there was this sort of if you think of it like it's the family business you know mm -hmm. like if you're if your parents run an accounting firm mm -hmm. and your your grand they inherited it from your grandparents right you know and and maybe they have regrets or maybe they they just don't want to force that sort of inheritance on you if you don't want it you know, they want you to like find your own way to it. It's like, they'll give you the tools. They'll like bring you into the office to show you what it's all about and hope that maybe you like catch the accounting bug and, and maybe you'll go to school for accounting or maybe you'll go to school for something else, but like leaving that sort of up to you. And I feel like that's right. just very much what my family did. It's the family business. And, you know, I think a good example of it is my sister's not an artist. She, yeah. I mean, she, very artistic and and respects the art in all form but she we had the same upbringing in that sense the same opportunities and she was like you guys are crazy he's been <laughs> out to a more stable career so you know it's I don't think you know me becoming an artist was a for sure thing and I really like respect the fact that I always had the choice to do it and simultaneously always had the support of my family because I know a lot of people who venture into this career path have to fight for that support. So I feel very fortunate to have, to have had that. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. You went on to, oh yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing. You went on to study at Boston Conservatory and Lambda. I uh, did. Yeah. Which is amazing. So how did that process going across the country and then out of the country to, to study in London, how did that go? Oh man. I just love school. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think, you know, knowing what I wanted to do from such a young age, I knew that I wanted to go to school for the arts. I was very indecisive. So I didn't know if I wanted to go to, I knew I wanted to go to school away. I knew I wanted to go to the best school I possibly could, because that's just like my competitive nature, I, I suppose. And I didn't know if I was going to go to school for opera or musical theater. Wow. Because I couldn't decide. Mm -hmm. A long story short, I ended up going to the Boston Conservatory because they said I could do both. <laughs> 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 and, you know, that was great. I, I don't regret it for the world. It was, you know, obviously you're in a conservatory program. You're not really getting the liberal arts mm -hmm. education that a lot of parents might have hoped that you would get going to college um, <laughs> mine were very supportive but you know <laughs> they always questioned and basically 
I graduated from BOCO, as we call it, and I moved immediately to New York and sort of hit the pavement for a couple of years mm-hmm. before falling slightly out of love with musical theater. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, what precipitated that? Part of it was I was not the soup du jour. I, the shows that were sort of being, that were really popular and that were kind of out there at the moment were like Rock of Ages Mm. and a lot of these like pop musicals. And that just wasn't your style of music. Wasn't my style. I mean, remember, I was going to be an opera singer. (laughs) Right. And I just, you know, I, I didn't. I'd always been been one of those actors who like, I think people, I hope people don't say this to young artists anymore, but I'd been told my whole life, you know, you'll work when you're 30. You're, you just have to grow into yourself. You'll work oh, when wow. you're work when you're older. So that really stuck with me, not for the better, but in the moment, I think I used that to be like, okay, well, if I'm not going to work until I'm in my thirties then I have time and wow. I want to be taken seriously as an actor and I'd never left the country. So I applied to grad school in London. I got in and I went and it was the best education I've I've ever had, the best time I've ever had. I It was amazing. I wouldn't trade it for all the student debt I acquired. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it was great. It was it was great. And I I'm a big nerd. And, you, you know, it, I basically the my graduate training is in Shakespeare and classical text and I use it all the time on camera. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I just loved it. I loved being in London. I, I loved everything about it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I also feel like a lot of people go to grad school. Like, I don't think everybody should go to grad school or anything like wild like that. But for me, I think that my 18-year-old overly ambitious brain sort of wasn't ready to absorb a lot of what I was being taught at Boston Conservatory. Oh, interesting. I was just like all guns a-blazing and like not a lot of listening, I guess. Mm. And I think that having had a few years in like life experience and age underneath my belt, so to speak, put me in a better position at Lambda to like actually care about stuff and sit and listen and absorb a little bit better sometimes it just it's like everyone's on a different timeline you know yeah yeah well it's interesting that when you're in your 20s you're hearing you'll grow into it Mm -hmm. you'll work when you're older and I was at 22 already wanting to be an actor saying I'm too old to start (laughs) which I I don't know why I was so caught up in that that idea it's I'd like to say that tropes like that are old fashioned and that we should throw them out the door. Like I but the the reality is, is that as much as that might be our, our desire and I do I do hope that's like where we are moving toward. Mm-hmm. The reality is that we have already been so exposed and have grown up in an industry where those things have we've been told that those things matter. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's not true. I, I mean, I see it all yeah. the time. I have students who have had full careers who are lawyers and they've decided to like have a career switch and they've never taken an acting class in their entire life. And over time, I see them just become the most special artists 
like oh wow skilled just it's we all have different experiences it's the like experience and the willingness to to listen and learn i think yeah. that like this good actor is not it's not like you're being you sound like you want to be a gymnast you know <laughs> right yeah very good point now of course i am still getting back to the like ah too old to ever really get it now but <laughs> You got to cling to those like, you know, John Hamm stories and those like, you yeah. know, the like late bloomer stories. John Mahoney. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you got to just you got to hold on to those, you know, that's, that's what keeps me going. So sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. And it really doesn't matter. I mean, there's so many actors who they're not playing their age. They're playing younger than their age because they look younger. But age is so. whatever. <laughs> like, who cares? Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> I just, as someone who has just like been so pigeonholed by age now, you know, and I, I, here I am, I've like arrived, I'm, I am my age, you know, and mm -hmm. I'm fine with it. But like, what, what did that ever mean? Like that? Did, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who was to tell me that I was like, couldn't play twenties when I was 20. Like that doesn't, it's like what <laughs> it's somebody else's idea of what a 20 year old is, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And some like weirdo. <laughs> yeah probably yeah so it's yeah i don't love that yeah who wants that yeah yeah those people should go away uh we're striking <laughs> against those people partly you know partly yeah i think so <laughs> I, I do think it's part of it <laughs> yeah i mean also like you don't know how old i am you don't like do you think i'm older or younger than you mm, i have no idea i feel like we're probably about the same age yeah but i'm like eight years older than you Ain't nothing but a number, you know? Right, okay? like, does it even matter? No, <laughs> like, doesn't it matter. And you look younger than you are, you know? Oh, like, stop. <laughs> stop. It just doesn't... I've, well, it's because I've looked this way since I was 12, you know, so that's... <laughs> yeah, well, I had that weird thing of, like, at 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, people thinking I was older. Mm -hmm. And then when I hit 22, uh, it started... I guess leveling out. And then when I was 25, someone I worked with thought I was, it was like my 25th birthday and we we're all hanging out. And he was like, 25? I thought you were 18. I was like, what in the world is going on? So and strange. people have thought I was younger ever since. It's just sometimes I feel like, you know, like appearance and like age. It's just like, why are we even talking about this? You know, yeah. like I just, I don't know. I remember I didn't get carded on my 21st birthday and I was so bummed. <laughs> <laughs> There's no bad. way you look so much older. I mean, you know, they have that rule. It's like if they look under 30, you ask. Uh, uh, exactly. You looked under exactly. 30. Who so knows? Were... Just, it's just so weird. I just think that yeah. sometimes, you know, we tell our like, malleable brains things when we're younger or we don't mm. tell other people tell us things and like they it, it sticks you know and i think yeah. that like it's something as a teacher that i try to be really sensitive about because mm -hmm. i've had teachers say things to me that i have not been able to let go of and i think we've all had mm. of those moments so yeah. yeah let's talk about some of your on-screen work because you've done a lot of cool things and like TV and and film and commercial work. I've seen some of your commercials. I was when I was doing research, <laughs> I saw that you're in a Peloton ad, and I was like, I saw this ad a bunch. I didn't. Yes, <laughs> and I you're have. totally in that commercial. 
popping up in living rooms across the country. Yeah. <laughs> and you are in a Philadelphia spread commercial. That's very I, funny. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> you're in a couple, you have, a, you have a, like all your commercials are really solid. But I bring up the Philadelphia spread one because Elizabeth Zephyrine McDonough is in that. Yes, who, she is. A previous guest. Love her to pieces. She uh, is quite the inspiration. Like, she truly she, is. wow. I mean, it's so funny how you meet people in this industry. Like, we met, yeah, we shot that commercial in Canada. And of all ways that our paths could have crossed, you know? Yeah. Yeah, she's she's a force. I can't wait to see, like, what what's next for her. Yeah, she's really amazing. I, I She's great. She's one of the kindest people, too. Like, she's a very supportive person. She has your back. And Lanquideris, you're... My, we went to, we both went to Boston Conservatory. Oh, wow. Didn't, I, uh, I didn't make that connection. I was like, oh, I wonder what the connection is. I, I forgot that Lane went there. Also a previous guest. Yeah. I mean, you've had some, you've had some really funny people on this show too. I was like, yeah. I'm only a comedian to my therapist. So. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it nice when you can make the therapist laugh? It's a, it's, it was one of my goals. The first time I did it, I was like, yes. I am healed. But yes, it feels great. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like they're not expecting it. Or you can get them to like laugh a little. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It's one of the greatest feelings in the world. (laughs) Not not that I always go in trying to make them laugh, but still. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But you've done a lot of cool things. Uh, Law and Order, Organized Crime, Dear Edward. We crashed with my heart and soul, Anne Hathaway. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just love I love it. Yeah. And a ton of stuff. FBI, just just a ton of stuff. You're you're great. So it's no surprise that you're in these things. But a tough thing is the audition process. Have you found a good process for auditioning, especially if you're auditioning doing the self-tapes at home, that you found has been more successful? Mm. You know. I think because I've thought a lot about this, actually, I think a lot of actors, they try to you try to connect the dots. You're like, why did I book this one and not this one? You know, Um, sometimes the first answer is sometimes there's no reason, especially when it's a commercial. Oh, forget about (laughs) it. Yeah. But actually, that's that's a good segue because I fell into commercials by accident Mm -hmm. and I did not understand what made a good quote unquote commercial actor or like what made a successful commercial actor. Me neither. Uh, Incidentally, my mom was like a hugely famous commercial actress. Go figure. (laughs) And I realized that it was because I, like, I didn't give a shit about the auditions. Like I didn't care. I thought of it as like fluff. And I thought I was like, I don't care about this. Like, I don't care about this. So I'm just going to like go have fun and like do what they want and smile. And like, I know how to memorize stuff. Mm-hmm. And I started booking like crazy. And I was like, what is happening? This wow. isn't why I was like, this is not what I, this is wrong. Like I am a gold <laughs> star student. You work hard, you get straight A's, you get gold stars. <laughs> and what I took away from that is not that obviously you're going to care about stuff like Sure. I I want the jobs, you know, so I'm going to care about the law and order audition or whatever it is, but I I couldn't be as precious with it. 
Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't, it's sort of like, I know it's that, that cliche of like, when you walk into an audition, I don't know if you've ever heard, had somebody tell you like, you, you, you don't want them to like smell the desperation on you. <laughs> you can't go in desperate for the job because it'll just ruin everything. You have yeah. to, one way to say it, and I've always struggled with this, but one way to say it is like, you walk in like you've got the job already, which <laughs> if that works for you, that's great. I'm not that confident. So I just, it helps me if I just think about it more as like a rehearsal or like, I just have to just not be precious about it. That's the second thing. And in order to not be precious about it, I prepare as much as I can. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I found that if I don't know my lines very well, or if I like haven't really done enough work on the scene, or I don't know who I'm talking to or what I want in the scene, then I just get really in my head and like, I can't get through a take well. And I'm just like messy about it. There's no, if I'm not prepared, I'm not giving myself any room to like play and fuck up. Ah, in auditions. Yeah. Can you fuck up in auditions the way you're talking or is it? Well, I guess the fucking up is more about self tapes when you can do it Ah. when you like at home and you can do it like. Yeah. Whole times. Mm -hmm. I guess if you're auditioning in person, the like fucking up is not fucking up in the sense of like, (laughs) you're making a choice and it's the wrong one. It's just being brave enough to make the wrong choice. Ah, okay. Like being brave enough to be like, I don't, you're never going to know if it's like, right. Whatever that means. But I think just being brave enough to go in and be like, this might not be what the director has in mind, but this is what feels the most authentic and sincere to me. And I'm going to go in and be confident, even if it's not what they're looking for. Yeah. it's like authentic and at least i've like given myself the space to do something that isn't safe Mm, okay that's interesting yeah i also struggle with walking in like i've already got it because i just i don't even know what that means necessarily (laughs) i i don't either and i've always had trouble with that and i finally accepted that that's just not it doesn't work for me and maybe it doesn't work for you like this confidence, this idea of confidence thing. I'm like, I'm not confident. You have a presence though. So I'm surprised to hear that you're not confident. Oh, it's it's faked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have that actor presence about you. I knew you were a good actor before I knew I'd seen you in anything. Just when I went to Kimball studio, because of the way you carry yourself, you have that actor presence of someone who is, clearly been steeped in doing posture exercises or whatever (laughs) like in vocal exercises so you have a very clear strong voice that projects without effort and uh really great posture and you just like the way you hold your head and move like you could i i picked up on like oh well she's no wonder she's teaching this she's a great actor because she has that same quality i've seen in all the good actors i I know or have seen oh thank you so much wow i'm blushing um (laughs) i i don't i don't know why (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i think in part it's practice i've been doing this for forever yeah my whole life yeah but also like cocky 18 year old hannah jane could never (laughs) like i think it just took it's taken a lot of work you know it's taken a lot of work even the sort of like persona of like how you walk into a room you know Mm. and i think 
I don't know. I think it's sort of just finding back to the whole like walk in the room like you own it trope. Like that I knew that that didn't work for me. And the more yeah. I did it, the more I felt like, or the more I tried to do it, the more I felt like I was just being false. And like, it made me feel worse about myself in a way because mm-hmm. I would walk in and I would try to tell myself like, you, you got this. And I'd be like, no, you don't like, who are you talking to? Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, I just, yeah. I couldn't even say it to myself. And so I tried a different approach, which was like, well, what can I do? that feels good. And it's like, well, I don't want the attention on me in that way. So I'm just going to put it on the reader. I'm just going to put the attention on the person that I'm doing the scene with. And I'm going to make it about their relationship. And I'm going to make it about when I walk in the room, I'm going to connect with everybody on the other side of the table. And I'm going to like, make sure that I'm wearing comfortable shoes. (laughs) (laughs) like what are the things that you can control do you know what i mean like yeah learn your lines don't wear clothes that you don't feel comfortable in and like say hello be like a human being (laughs) that's that worked for me like i think that just because i couldn't fake the like hello i know you already (laughs) know you want me like i just couldn't do that i was like no we're no no Yeah, so I can't pull that off either. I I just try to have good posture when I walk in. But I love this idea because you're right that that phony feeling that feeling fake is not very good for trying to perform where it's all about being real and being honest. So you can't be a put on at any station of, of the whole process. And I also just like the idea of saying, you know what, like, this is just this is rehearsal. This is fun. Don't be so precious about it. Have a good time. Know your part and just be comfortable. You know, like don't don't wear something that makes you uncomfortable or start doing things that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And you know, you got to do the work first. Like I do think it is, it is like they have to work in concert with each other, but like if you've done all the work and you've like really spent time on it and you've done all your script analysis and you've, made a really strong choice that's when you get to not be precious about it yeah i think they it it has to be twofold it's like that i i don't know another i feel like there are just these acting school like phrases that just get thrown around all the time one of them being like you do the work so you can throw it all away (laughs) you know and it's like well (laughs) i understand the 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 meaning behind that Uh really throwing it away it's just that (laughs) this idea that it's just you've worked so hard it's just ingrained in you that you can't ignore it if you tried so it just gives you the freedom to like let it let the work speak for itself like let it just go let it be yeah i love that that's such a good point because it's the preparation you know it's in the preparation i did get thrown off where i super prepared for one for an audition for the role that I was told I was going to read for. And then I got there and they were like, uh, we're going to have you read this up for this other role. And I was like, I don't know this other role. <laughs> I don't. That's when you say, throw it away. <laughs> yeah. What can I do right now? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's, tough. it's tough. And like your heart immediately goes like. <laughs> yeah. I was like, gosh, I don't, I don't know what they want for this. <laughs> And it was like right before us walking in too, because they were like, 
all right, we'll see you in a little bit. And they're like, oh, actually, just right now. And then we'll have you read for this part. And I was like, no, no. no. What did you do? Like, how did it go? I just took it on the chin. I didn't do well with uh, what they asked me to do. And it threw me off for the part that I, when I they switched me to the part that I did prepare for, I was like too thrown by that point. Yeah. And then also like the they had written the script out on a board in there, but there were a lot of words missing and, and errors. So it was like, oh, I can't man. even use that as like a safety net at this point. I was just so thrown. That's so I, true. Yeah. It was like not setting you up for success, which is like <laughs> no. not yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I, I then just went to, when I left, I, the people I was originally supposed to read for or read with, I just told them what the skinny was inside. It was like, I'm just going to help somebody else. Today. It was like, I'm just going to give them a leg up when they get in there because they yeah, might get nice. thrown too. That's nice. Artists helping artists. That's nice. I mean, I think those are the situations where you literally just have to be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. This is what it is today. Like, what do I have control over? What do I not have control over? Right. Like, and then you just do what you can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I uh, definitely can't be precious about that. Yeah. Uh, you just have to like go with the flow. Okay. Well, I don't know how we are this far into the talk. I'd love to talk to you for an hour more, but we we can't. Let's create something together. I know you had an idea that you bashfully you know, I know. To share it. You warned, so you warned me about this part. I'm going to bring up my notes. <laughs> I love notes. I I I am a homework person. Oh, obviously. sweet. So, okay, we're gonna try this. It'll okay. be a little of a bit of an experiment, um, like an oral experiment. So we'll see if it translates for like your audio listeners. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna do uh, a Kimball Studio famous exercise. <laughs> it's called we call them what nothings, and right. We didn't do this the day that you came. No, no. no. Okay. No. Great. So I'm going to tell you the script. You're going to just know it. I'm going to tell it to you. We're going to read together. The it, The script's going to go like this. What? Nothing. What? Nothing. My lines are the what's. Your lines are the nothing. Okay. So I I'm going to. So far. I'm going to start. I'm going to say what? And you're going to say nothing. And I'm going to say what? And you're going to say nothing. Okay, awesome. let's practice just the script. Okay. So even though this is like for your podcast, we're going to, I see you, you see me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all going to come through our tone. Okay. What? Nothing. What? Nothing. Okay, great. So <laughs> now we're going to start layering on specifics. Okay. So the first one we're going to layer on is our relationship. Okay. So I'm going to give this all to you. So let's say we're best friends. Okay. BFFs, best friends since childhood. We've known each other forever. Okay. 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 Also, I'm going to add a second thing, which is going to be an environment. So we're best friends forever and we're in a really crowded, loud restaurant. Okay. Okay. So those are the two things we're going to... Yeah, I'm going to start. And I'm, I'm taking this off of you. So you're just going to exist right. in this loud restaurant. You're going to exist <laughs> in this world. As my BFF, we're like having a drink. Our meals haven't come yet. Here mm -hmm. we go. 
What? Nothing. What? Nothing. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Okay, good. So now we're going to add a third thing, okay. which is an inner secret. So mm. an inner secret is something that you know about me mm -hmm. that I don't know you know. Okay. Okay. So okay. I'm going to give it to you because I'm the director. <laughs> I'm directing and starring in this exercise. <laughs> okay, so your inner secret, I'm going to chat it to you. So like, we'll see if this experiment really works. See, and then um, everyone listening, you can just, in your in your car, just say, hey, he did it. No. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so here's, whoops, here's your inner secret. Okay, great. Here we go. Okay. Same script. Still BFF, still crowded restaurant, plus this secret I just texted to you. Okay, here we go. What? Nothing. What? Nothing. Good. A little nervous laughter at the end. I love that. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to give you a final thing. And this is going to be what I'm going to call a sharp left turn. So if we were, if this was like an improvised scene, if we were like going longer with this scene, this could be something you could pull out at any point in your bag of tricks to like, you've done improv before to like, to change the course of a scene, right? So mm -hmm. it's a sharp left turn. Sharp left turns can be confessions. They can be like random lines of dialogue. In this particular one, since we're sticking to this script, mm -hmm. I'm going to text you a secret of your own. So your inner secret is about me. And then the secret of your own is what I'm going to type you to okay. you now. <laughs> Got it? Okay. So now we're going to do it one more time. Mm. Okay. Here we go. But... Nothing. What? Nothing. Good. <laughs> okay, I love that. I love the question mark on the end of nothing. <laughs> it was excellent. Okay, great. I love that. So I guess we can tell your listeners. So. <laughs> yeah, for the end, for the last one, the secret that I knew about you that you did not know I knew is that yeah. you are a vampire slayer. My dream. Yeah. And my secret about me is that I am a vampire and I haven't eaten all week. <laughs> I love throwing in some fantasy. <laughs> yeah. And did you, the listener, pick up on that? Is that, ex I'm sure it's exactly what you were thinking at home. Or obviously that'd be a really hard thing to guess, <laughs> but the idea behind this, and I'm I'm actually kind of excited to listen to it now that we've talked about it, but the idea behind it is that like, it should sound, and it did from my perspective, but obviously I'm watching you, mm -hmm. way more filled, even though this dialogue is so simple. What nothing, what nothing. The first time we did it with no contract, with no context, mm -hmm. it was sort of like generic, safe. Maybe you had an idea, you know, in that instance of like what it is we were talking about, but, or you just sort of went with the clues of the words. As you start layering all these specifics, suddenly this 
silence between the words gets filled, the inflection on the word changes, mm -hmm. your focus on me changes, whether you're not looking at me changes. Right. Everything. The way I look at you changes. The way you look at me, the thing you're thinking right before, thinking about how you haven't eaten all week and how like, <laughs> juicy, you know, the person yeah. next to you looks or whatever it is. Like Yeah, with that second nothing in the last one, I kind of looked down and in my mind, I was looking down to see if you had like, a weapon in your hand, you know, yeah. like, does she have a, does she have a, a steak? Is she going to kill me? I love that. <laughs> I love it. And like, I love that exercise because we get to take away any sort of like complex text yeah. or dialogue. And really, it just becomes so evident how like nothing should be wasted. Like, yeah. and there's no amount of space between words or text or the moments before or after scene ends that should ever be wasted that should ever be like not filled or not sure exactly what's going on in that moment who the person is you're talking to what your relationship is what you have at stake no pun intended <laughs> but yeah so thanks for trying that experiment with me <laughs> thanks for doing that i loved it and the yeah. the explanation. This has been awesome. There it is. Hannah Jane, thanks so much for being <laughs> on the podcast. Thank you so much. This was so delightful. Thank you. Well, I had a really great time chatting with her. I hope you had a really great time listening. I found her to be very insightful and fun, so I hope you learned something from that. And if you want to know more about what she's got going on, you can go to hannahjanemcmurray.com. She's got her resume up there, some photos, media, and info on coaching and classes at the Kimball Studio. So be sure to go to that website, hannahjanemcmurray.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is, and follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Also subscribe to our comedy lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. Yeah.